Well, in other news, talks aimed at striking a post-Brexit deal between the UK and the US will start today. Uh, They've been delayed, of course, for several weeks because of the pandemic. Well, Anand Menon is director of the UK in a changing Europe and uh, joins me now. Anand, good morning. Morning, Petri. How are you? I'm very well indeed. I hope you are as well. Um, Yes, thanks. Right, let's have a look at, at, at this thing called Brexit that we've forgotten about. <laughs> what is it again? Um, so the meetings are, are starting up. It's determined there'll be no delay. Is that possible? It's absolutely possible. I mean, the, the way it is in EU law at the moment and in our own domestic law is, unless we ask for an extension by the end of June, then the so-called transition period ends at the end of December, and we leave the single market and the customers union. And as you said, uh, one of the things the government is trying to do to prepare for that is to try and negotiate a deal with the United States. How's that going to go? I mean, look, we're in a very, <laughs> we're in a very different world now to the one that we anticipated being in, and that goes for trade deals as well. The Americans are having to borrow three trillion dollars to help them get through this virus. Heaven knows what we're having to borrow. We won't know until the end of this, really. Um, So how are these negotiations going to go? Well, I mean, there are several bits to an answer to that. First, I mean, the obvious, honest answer is we don't know. It's going to be hard to negotiate a deal via Skype uh, and not doing it in person. That will make things a lot trickier. Uh, The main, there are two uncertainties, I think, around the things with the United States. Firstly, we don't know what the attitude of the US to trade is going to be coming out of coronavirus, because you've heard a lot of stuff from the administration along the lines of, we should no longer be dependent on foreign suppliers for medical supplies. They're making the same sort of noises about food. So it could be that this whole pandemic pushes some protectionists because they become more suspicious of trade. The second thing that's worth saying is, A large proportion of freight that is traded internationally goes on passenger planes. And there aren't many passenger planes flying at the moment. So volumes of international trade have fallen. So it is at this moment far, far harder to trade with countries a long way away than it was before the pandemic. So the circumstances aren't great. I mean, signing a trade deal is obviously good. Increasing trade will be good for the domestic economy. But all those factors mean that more trade with the United States will not be of a volume to make up for the trade we lose with the European Union when we leave the single market and the customs union. I mean, this is the thing is how how is it going to be possible for any negotiations to take place uh, while you're sort of, you know, standing on a board that's balancing on a ball? You know, I mean, nobody knows which way this is going to go. And, and, and you know, trade negotiations are difficult Anyway, um, uh, given that there is protectionism in, in, in every country, really, or, or every unit. But, but now we don't know where their economies are going to be. We don't know where our economies are going to be. We don't know what we're going to need. We don't know what we're not going to need. Uh, how, how is it even possible to start that conversation? Well, you're absolutely right. There are layers upon layers of uncertainty about what our economies are going to look like in three, six, 12 months time. Uh, I suppose 
you have to start where you can. There are there are areas, whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's agriculture, whether it's financial services, where we could imp- increase the amount of trade between us. But you're going to have to do it under that veil of uncertainty because there's nothing that you can do about that. You know, we don't know what our economy, what no. state our economy will be in when we come out of this pandemic. I mean, and and we don't know uh, turning away from America at the moment and looking at at Europe, as you said, our biggest trading uh, partners. Um, uh, the the European experiment seemed to falter massively when this pandemic hit, as borders were shut and protectionism certainly came into play. Is Europe going to be the same? Is the EU going to even be the same as it was for us to trade with? Well, it's a very good question. Uh, I mean, what I would say on the trade front is countries tend to trade most with countries that are close to them. So geography isn't going to trade in that sense, isn't going to change in that sense. Yes, we'll continue to trade with them. But the EU is having a very rocky crisis. You're absolutely right. It's having an existential crisis, isn't it? I mean, what is it anymore? Well, certainly, what what in the early phases of the crisis, member states closed their borders. The French uh, requisitioned stocks of medical equipment that were due for other member states. It didn't look much like a union at the time. No. And going forward, the problem is in some countries, notably Italy. The experience of the crisis has led to some remarkable changes in public opinion. Over 60% of Italians now think that membership of the European Union is a bad thing. Wow. Now, this doesn't mean that the Italians are about to emulate us and leave the European Union. What it does mean, though, is that there is a danger of populist uh, politicians coming to power, which will make it even harder to get the EU to work well. But it, it, it's, it was so evident, wasn't it, the, the two countries, that they were on their own. The, 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 yeah. the, the response to, to COVID-19 and the pandemic in the early days, or even subsequently, has, been, has not been unified and has not been helpful. It was kind of like, right, all of you lot, Get on with it. You're on your own. Well, I'd say yes and no to that. I mean, you know, the European Central Bank has made available some eye-watering sums of money to preserve liquidity in the market. Uh, The Germans have accepted Italian patients into their hospitals. So it's Mm. not simply a story of member states turning their backs on each other. But one of the fundamental problems the EU faced is that health is one of the few areas where it has no authority. And so actually... The European Union simply does not legally have the right to take the lead in a fight against a health crisis. So that didn't help it. But yes, you're right. At the same time, national governments in the European Union automatically and necessarily and understandably decided we're going to prioritise our own citizens rather than citizens of other member states. And it wasn't a good look for something that calls itself a union. It's going to be very interesting times ahead, isn't it? And uh, well, no doubt we'll discuss it further. Anna, thank you. Anna Menon then, uh, there in uh, Europe, uh, the sorry, Director of the UK in a Changing uh, Europe, bringing us up to date with that. Well,